This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tacovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots as well as free returns and exchanges and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. Hi everybody, it's Doc from the John Freaking Pod, and I want to let you know about our new website on WordPress. Take a few minutes and check it out. You'll be able to find pictures of the pod's guests, links to the podcast and social media accounts, ways to support the pod, how to get in touch, and our entire back catalog is there, including episode summaries. Missed these sections of the JMT episodes? You can find them there. Missed a Triple Crowner episode? Yep, that's there too. World travelers, adventure athletes, polar explorers, Barkley Marathon competitors, authors, filmmakers, documentarians, and more are waiting for you. Take a look at the new website, and just a reminder, adventure lives here. I find it wholesome to be alone the greater part of the time. To be in company, even with the best, is soon wearisome and dissipating. I love to be alone. I never found the companion that was so companionable as solitude. Henry David Thoreau I always have to go solo because I'm always, I think I'll go, you know, tomorrow morning kind of thing. And and so, uh, but I decided to go over uh, Kearsarge Pass, which is from the east, the eastern Syria, Sierra side, excuse me. So that adds like another, um, I forgot how many miles, like 50, 55 miles total over a couple of days. But uh, the reason, I mean, two things really quick. One was that uh, I don't know how it happened, um, but on the second morning, 
uh, what was that area? Vedette Meadow, past that part, heading west, uh, south part of the Ray Lakes Loop. You know, beautiful morning, nice and quiet. Uh, had all the, the campsite to myself. And so I'm just going downhill and maybe it was those new shoes I was trying out, which is not recommended for a brand new hike, but or uh, trying out new gear on a longer hike. But I just rolled my left ankle and it was the worst ankle sprain slash strain. Um, I posted a photo on my um, my Facebook, which I think uh, people were not happy because it was a little too graphic, but it was just Ooh. bruised up, really red, absolutely swollen. Uh, I think I just stumbled across a little rock of all things. So uh, so that's where the rest of the way, uh, I, I, I just hiked the final you know, 40 plus miles on a bum, really bum left ankle. I'm Doc, and this is the John Freaking Muir Pod. Welcome to the John Freakin' Muir Pod. Lace up those boots and sling on the pack for a romp through trails, short and long. With your host and renaissance man, Doc, it's time to embrace the suck. Want to make a podcast? Spotify's got a platform that lets you make one super easily, then distribute it everywhere, and even earn money, all in one place for free. It's called Spotify for Podcasters, and here's how it works. Spotify for Podcasters lets you record and edit podcasts right from your phone or computer. So no matter what your setup is like, you can start creating today. Then you can distribute your podcast to Spotify and everywhere else podcasts are heard. Video podcasts are also available on Spotify. With Spotify for Podcasters, you can earn money in a variety of ways, including ads and podcast subscriptions. And best of all, it's totally free with no catch. Since I discovered Spotify for Podcasters, I feel like my creativity has raised to another level. I highly recommend you give it a try. Download the Spotify for Podcasters app or go to www.spotify.com backslash podcasters to get started. Welcome back to another week on the trail. My guest this week has quite a hiking resume. Besides spending a lot of time in the Sierras, Henry Chen has also had some great international hiking experience at Everest Base Camp, the Inca Trail, and Patagonia. Welcome to the pod, Henry. Hey, Doc. Uh, Super excited to be here. Thank you so much. Hey, have you listened to the pod before? I have, and I should preface by saying we just chatted a little bit before starting this, but I think we both had long Mondays. It's the end of October. So I do apologize to your listeners if I'm, um, you know, kind of rambling a bit or also, um, you know, going into too much details on the trip. But yes, it was back in February, March, right when the first few episodes came out. Uh, I think I, I saw it in one of the Facebook groups, the John Freaking Mirror Pod. Like, I got to subscribe, listen to it, and uh, started from the first episode. And I remember I was think I was doing um, Mount Wilson when I was um, listening to a few of those. And now I'm coming back to the more recent ones and catching up on, on those episodes. Fantastic. As a regular listener, you are well aware of the regular feature that we have called the Pro Tip Inside of the Week. So just a reminder, I'll turn to you kind of late in the episode and I'll ask you what your pro tip is for our listeners. And this will be something from our conversation that you can share or reemphasize with them to make their next trip a little more Uh, enjoyable or adventurous that sounds great okay so you you've been listening since february i happened to see uh, a post that you 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 put out there 
just last week where you mentioned the John Freakin' Muir pod and you were out in Yosemite and uh, listening to the pod while looking at the night stars. And I, I immediately got right back to you and let you know how jealous I was of the fact <laughs> that you were out there under the stars and I was not. Uh, but also appreciative of, of the fact that you are a, a listener. And we kind of uh, continued our conversation back and forth a little bit. And I came to discover that, you know, I, I originally I thought maybe you were a, a, a big gear guy from one of your posts. And so I thought, oh, you know what? We haven't had a real uh, in-depth gear person on to talk about the pros and cons and, and what's, the, what's the best thing to use out there. And so I reached out to you and you said, no. You know, I'm not a gear guy, but, you know, I, I have done this and this and this. And I thought, wow, with that, with those kind of hikes under your belt, I've got to have Henry on the pod to talk about those. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm chuckling here because, um, you know, when you go to the outdoors, it's to enjoy the, the views, the surroundings and to unplug. But sure enough, that Yosemite Falls Trail. And yes, it, it was just last weekend. Uh, there was reception most of the way. Uh, even around the campsite. And, um, and I was like, wow, I'm going to, of course, uh, my plan was to catch up on your episodes. I got, I got a couple of those uh, throughout the evenings, but I was like, hey, I got to give, you know, Doc and, and his, uh, his crew a shout out. Um, and so post on Instagram and you were so kind of get back to me pretty quickly. So uh, it was really fitting that for us to connect, um, you know, virtually and in person under the stars. And I think I actually chatted with you more than I did with my own wife that evening, but uh, she understood uh, uh, how much I, you know, not only love, of course, your podcast, but also to chat with um, you know, like-minded folks uh, about the outdoors. Uh, so definitely. And uh, speaking of the uh, international ones, um, you know, it's been five, six years. It was that 2014, 2015, when I first got into the outdoors Never went on a hike in my entire life until my late uh, 30s. But uh, yeah, it's gonna. It's really fun to go back down memory lane. Thanks to um, thanks to uh, getting to be a guest on your podcast here. Well, I am constantly learning new things about you, Henry. Because uh, right now, I just learned that you got into hiking back in like 2014, and you immediately went on some pretty big trips. I mean, doing <clears throat> doing Everest Base Camp. And the Inca Trail as a as a, a new hiker, I mean that's that's pretty incredible. Oh, thanks so much. I tend to be a little overzealous at things. Uh, a lot of times, to my uh, sort of downfall, if you will. But it was that right after my wife and I got married in March 2013. And once again, I, I didn't have hiking boots, no, no tent, no sleeping bags, nothing. And I did grow up in in Los Angeles area, immigrated here when I was a young kid, but. 29 at the age, or excuse me, at uh, 2013, and uh, went on a honeymoon to uh, to South America, and we went on our first hike, uh, at least my first hike. And when I came back uh, to the states, one of my high school friends, he was getting into backpacking, and it just comes full circles because our first trip with my friend was to that Yosemite Falls area six, mm -hmm. seven years ago, excuse me, and so uh, and that was when I was hooked and started planning other trips uh, throughout that summer, did go to the Eastern Sierra, uh, the 395, the famous 395 for the very first time. And, and uh, you know, that was when pretty much my life in addition to my profession was all in uh, the outdoors. And, um, you know, I always like to tell others, like, I'm definitely not a, uh, you know, professional or uh, I like to think I, you know, more of a, amateur slash uh, enthusiast when it comes to the outdoors uh, certainly not an ultralight or a ultra you know marathon hiker type uh, for me anything above 13 15 miles is considered a long day but uh, yeah absolutely enjoy it and, and certainly uh, a blast to share it with you know with the community for sure 
And for the listeners that we have that are in the other 47 states besides California and the other the, you know, the 38 countries, what is 395? Ah, uh, yeah. So the, the famous uh, 395 is a freeway or slash highway. Uh, it's on the eastern side, if you will, of California, runs north-south or south-north. Uh, starting around that, I believe, and please correct me, Doc, if I'm saying thing like that Mojave uh, area, uh, sort of, uh, you know, kind of in between that LA towards Vegas, but heading up towards the most beautiful sceneries, that's where, uh, you know, the John Muir Trail, Mount Whitney, all the way through Yosemite, and I think even a little bit past that. And so, um, but once again, I, I didn't know any of that until my late 20s. And uh, I was kind of look at it as playing catch up the last couple of months and uh, absolutely beautiful highway for anybody visiting California to explore. That's right. If you want to be stuck on a highway somewhere, make sure it's 395. Absolutely. And uh, I know we're kind of jumping around. Sorry, Doug, but unless I was kind of thinking um, one of the more recent times and kind of dating, uh, I guess uh, this episode, that's okay, was during the fires. Um, I was coming out of uh, Kearsarge Pass, Onion Valley, and I was doing uh, the Ray Lakes loop from that side. And that's when the fire, the, oh my gosh, the name escaping me, but the, you know, it's sort of mammoth area. Mm -hmm. And so uh, that's, that's where the sky was a complete red, almost like you're on Mars uh, hiking up over like Glen Pass and all. But I was just kind of thinking like, don't go when there's, (laughs) there's a fire going on, of course, or smoke. Uh, I'm not sure if you saw, but that was probably one of the few times where there was actually bumper to bumper traffic on that 395 because everyone had to be evacuated from top to bottom. Did you kind of see some photos or hear about that back in uh, around, around Labor Day? I've, t- I've talked to a few folks about that time period and the, the fires and the smoke and how it impacted their trips, but I had not heard that there was a traffic jam on 395. That is rare. Yeah, definitely. Um, we're maybe used to blazing down or blazing up, you know, 80 miles per hour, not like mm-hmm. the Vegas traffic, but that was a rare time. Thankfully, I uh, wasn't in it, but at the same time, you know, my heart was to ev- everyone that was affected by that. And I mm-hmm. know um, that's sort of the, the tricky thing kind of to jump around a little bit, but which is uh, the beauty of nature, but you always got to be a little careful with uh, what mother nature could throw us. Right. So that's right. That's right. And speaking of other things that I didn't know about you, you, I also kind of learned that um, you also used to have a podcast and a blog and I was kind of, it's, it's just, you're like an onion, Henry. I keep peeling back the layers on, on what you're all about. So that was pretty impressive too. I took a look at your blog and saw all of these, these trips and experiences that you've been part of. And that's just fantastic. Oh, thanks so much. I uh, actually got the email from uh, HostGator, my domain, because I haven't updated this travel website slash blog for over four years. Uh, I think our, our last international trip, my wife and I, before we you know, really settled down and, and started, uh, we have a three-year-old now. So that was when uh, we, we try to get as much of the outdoors and, and the travels before starting a family. But uh, just not too long ago, I got the email like, hey, do you still want to up, you know, keep this hosting going? And I was like, ah, nobody's viewing this site anyway, but I'm glad it, it kind of comes in handy with this episode because uh, you know, if it's okay with you later on, so I'll probably ask, hey, if you want to find out literally day by day on any of these uh, international treks, the, the base camps or Everest base camp and so forth, um, I've written those, yeah, those blog posts with photos. And uh, before I forget, I just want to preface in case, um, hopefully, uh, sooner than later, uh, our, our guests could travel to uh, not only these countries, but other countries 
But um, the trips that I went to was, in fact, back in that 2014, early 2015. So please, uh, you know, do the Google and the research for the latest thing, because I'm sure a lot has changed in four to five years. Yep. And before we forget, let's, uh, let's give our listeners the name of your blog and where they can check out all these, these day by day and the statistics of your trips. Yeah, thanks, Doc. It's onlyadayaway.com, uh, just the way it sounds. Hopefully you won't get a 404 error or so when it comes up. Uh, once again, I haven't updated this in over four plus years, but uh, I was just looking at it the, uh, the other week and everything's still loading. And I think you said you checked it a little bit. So you can go on there, just click on trips at the top and you'll see, uh, just pick one of those, uh, those tracks and just day by day, uh, you'll, you'll see the recap including like the miles and uh, photos that I've taken to give you more behind the scenes look of um, these, these trips. Only a day away. Tell me about the title. How'd you come up with that? Yeah, it's, it's, I'm chuckling again because there's that famous Annie. uh, I don't know her, uh, the the show, but it's like, you're only a day away or something. That's kind of like the fun saying from her. She has like the curly red hair, but actually this came from my thinking of, Hey, you're, a day away, you're 24 hours away from almost anywhere in this world, from uh, the state next door to Antarctica. So that was always a thinking like, why it doesn't have to be weeks away to get to this amazing place in another you know, country, continent. And so that's where the, the name came from. You're only a day away from pretty much anywhere you want to be in this world and start your next adventure. Okay. Great. I love the title. I love the title. It's great. It kind of makes it real. You know, it's not something you have to plan for, you know, months in advance. If you, if you want to get away and uh, you have that, that uh, capability, you're just only a day away from anywhere. Absolutely. And uh, I know uh, here we are in fall, uh, beautiful time, cool time, but I'm sure a lot of us are itching um, to, of course, to be safe and responsible, but to, to get out, not only, to the Eastern Sierra for those of us here in California, but also uh, other parts of the U.S. and, and for international listeners, uh, you know, just anywhere in the world to, to go on our next trip. So uh, I, I was actually thinking, uh, Doc, um, this is the sort of the, the podcast host, former podcast. I mean, if you would uh, or, you know, be interested in any of these trips in, in, the, in the future, the near future, or have you done a few um, outside of the country? I have not. I have not. But, you know, what, from what I've heard from some of our former guests and what I'm looking forward to hearing uh, from you, you know, it really whets my appetite. I would love to get to a place like Patagonia or, you know, Everest Base Camp. I think I've told my kids that uh, when I pass that they have to get the three of them uh, deliver my ashes to Everest Base Camp just to you know, make that a fun family trip for them. Oh, you're going to go all together. I've, I've no <laughs> doubt. And uh, we'll, we'll maybe see each other on the trail somewhere up there. I want to take my little three-year-old when she gets a little older, but uh, it'd be a great family trip for sure. So, yeah. yeah. All right, Henry, what is, uh, do you have a trail name? I do not. And no trail my, name? My wife, I, I, I always go, um, I can't remember the last time I went back, well, with, with my wife, but it's always by myself. So uh, a lot of times it's just me by myself or I'll, I'll you know, come across somebody chat a little bit, but no, uh, I don't have one yet. And actually my wife was asking this, like, what, what, what's your trail name? What is it going to be like? Oh, I don't know. I guess somebody, uh, I'm going to have to hopefully get to run into you and your friends uh, in the, on the trail soon. So I can get one. Is that kind of the rule where somebody has to give it to you and it has to be on the trail? I assume, right? That's correct. That's correct. You might get it tonight. I might listen to your stories tonight and uh, pick out a, a particularly, a memorable story that you share and pull a trail name right out of that and give it to you. 
Oh, I, I'd be honored. There's a few that um, uh, kind of, you know, I, I guess I would give myself, most of them are more uh, interesting humor, let's just say. I tend uh-huh. to be more of a, a, a neat freak and a little OCD. So I always got to make sure my, you know, my, my sleeping bag is a certain way or the tent has to be perpendicular to this or all this has to be tidy up before mm-hmm. the next step, which um, the few times that my wife had a chance to go with me drove her crazy. But, um, but yeah, I, I would love to, and I certainly uh, uh, use it with, with honor and pride in future trips uh, from you, Doc. So if you don't have a trail name, I'm assuming that your wife doesn't have a trail name either. No, but I, I have a few for her. And uh, I, I think, uh, unfortunately, with what's going on, we're not able to just us to go because we have our little one that, um, which, of course, we want to take her. But uh, I told her uh, when, um, actually, yesterday, we were just watching a few more JMT um, videos on YouTube. So I'm trying to uh, John Muir Trail for, um, and funny, I, I always said John Muir Trail for the longest of time until recently where I guess if you start abbreviating, that's when you become cool, right? You can mm-hmm. like inside. That's pieces. right. But um, trying to convince her, uh, maybe she'll, you know, join me on parts of it or, or for us to do a trek uh, or a hike, excuse me, and I can give her an official trail name that way. So. All right. So you're not the, I'm not, I'm not the only one who watches John Muir Trail videos. You're also uh, involved in that. Oh, awesome. I think, um, Forgive me. I think it was, yes, I was just listening to one of your recent ones with the family of the JMT and you mentioned mile, mile and a half. Yeah. So that's on my, um, uh, my iTunes downstairs somewhere after um, our wonderful chat this evening, I might uh, check that out and be even more inspired um, to which uh, next year, hopefully, but uh, yeah. So. Yeah. You'll, you'll enjoy that one. It's a real, it's a good one. It's a good one. All right, Henry, with no trail name, uh, let's get down to it. Tell me about, uh, you know, who you are, uh, where you grew up, how you got involved in this whole hiking and backpacking thing, and, you know, what your, what your interests are. Let's just get a, kind of give a, a kind of a, a detailed picture of Henry to our listeners. Ah, yeah. I, uh, so I'll date myself a little bit. I'm in my late 20s, 37, turning 38 next year. So I grew up here in Southern California, Los Angeles, but I did immigrate at the age of three from Southeast Asia, a country called Burma, or maybe it's Myanmar, one of those. But uh, so I came here and very sheltered. Uh, once again, I, I didn't do literally any hikes until 29. So I don't think I even really explored much of LA until uh, that story earlier. But these days, um, seems like the only constant is change, but um, I think we chatted a little beforehand. But my my background, educational background, is in engineering, so more the technical side, undergrad and grad school. But literally after I uh, started working as an engineer in my early 20s, um, I stumbled upon this camera thing and became a photography enthusiast. One thing led to another, and I've been a wedding photographer, specifically in weddings for the last 13 plus years. And so, uh, yeah, to all our, um, you know, special events, um, contractors, photographers, creatives this year, I definitely feel for all of us. It's been, uh, it's been a long 2020, right? But uh, that, that is my main background from a, a hobbyist standpoint, excuse me, it, it would be certainly uh, the backpacking. I'm definitely more of a backpacker than a, a car camper. I love both, but definitely prefer the, the backpacking trips. And almost always I go by myself, um, especially the last dozen plus backpacking trips. Uh, the nice thing about being my own, I guess, boss, uh, self-employed is uh, I would normally go on backpacking trips, uh, you know, not too often, maybe 
here and there when I can, but it'll be very spur of the moment, literally the next day. Uh, permits are a little bit easier to get by when you can get it last minute and, and it's like on a Tuesday morning kind of thing. But uh, these days, my, my main emphasis from a professional standpoint is in on online uh, marketing, um, what's called chat marketing, messenger, um, that kind of thing. So I also do YouTube videos on that subject. Uh, unfortunately, I wish I had a, a hiking videos, but um, uh, that, that website earlier, onlydayaway.com, that's really all I have for like photos of travel and hiking and a little bit on my Instagram, uh, which of course we connected with. So that's a bit on the background, but uh, I think the interesting thing is on one hand, I have the technical side with the engineering and now with online marketing, but then on the other side, I have, you know, the, the love for the outdoors, of course, and, and the hiking. Uh, I'm terrible at working out, Doc. Uh, you can't get me off the, <laughs> the YouTube couch or so, but I will definitely go on a, uh, you know, 10 or 15 mile day hike. Uh, a lot of times I'm, I'm dragging my, my sore body to the campsite uh, and wondering why, you know, I'm sure most of us do why we're doing this, but it's always rewarding. Uh, so yeah, that's a little bit on the background of myself. Oh, there's, a, there's a lot there I want to unpack, if you don't mind. Sure. I've got sure. some follow-up questions on there. So uh, you have an engineering degree, and you went to grad school for that as well, right? But yes. you are no longer in the engineering field. You're doing photography, wedding photography, and event photography. Is that correct? Yes, for except literally the day that we're chatting today, Doc. Uh, I don't want to get in trouble, but you know, late October here, and let's just say um, a little extra tired. But I'm wide awake now, getting to chat with you about about the outdoors. But I am for now back in the the technical slash engineering world. But uh, I do have a an online venture. I'm actually phasing out. Uh, funny, or I shouldn't say. Uh, COVID unfortunately uh, sped things up we'll put it that way and so I had things in mind last year like hey I'm moving in this direction outside of uh, you know being a wedding photographer I was I photographed almost 500 weddings uh, usually it's almost every weekend uh, for the last almost 13 plus years but it also meant uh, giving up the weekends with um, you know spending time with my wife and so that that's what slowly got me to uh, slowly transitioning that as, as we speak now and moving more towards some online marketing stuff, if you will. But yeah, so Got always it. a little bit of transition. Got it. I'm going to put you on the spot right now, Henry. <laughs> As a wedding photographer for 13 years, right? Mm -hmm. yes. I, I have a top five list we're going to do right now. Top Ooh. five most awkward wedding events. Oh my goodness. Or, or most awkward wedding moments. You know, um, I, I'm going to be the, the boring uh, guest here, Doc. Thankfully, most of my weddings have been, for, for the most part, smooth sailing. But yes, I, I do remember one wedding where, of course, love the couple. I don't think they'll be listening. I won't mention their names. But the groom had uh, stage fright, let's just say. And he did not, on the day of, and this has never happened, he, I guess, did not want to get married, um, this lovely bride. But uh, the father of the bride um, eventually talked to him, and he came through, and we did have a wedding. I think they're happy, have a wonderful family now. So that came to my mind. Uh, other than that, no, no crazy, never had a bridezilla or a groomzilla, at least, you know, not to me directly, right. no, not too many drunk guests. Um, so unfortunately I, I can't uh, give too many uh, examples like those reality TV shows. 
uh, we get. I'm sure if I think long enough, if our listeners are patient, I'll probably come with a few. But if any come to mind, part, if any please. come to mind, don't be afraid to break okay. into whatever we're talking about and share those. I, th- I thought we get for sure we get some juicy stories there. Yeah, I, I guess it's one of those. Um, I'm, sometimes I'm just so you know tunnel vision focused on getting those moments. Uh, I, I haven't fell into the the fountain at the church or, uh, you know, that kind of, I, you know, I slipped a few times. I had to bump elbows with some of the drunk guests, but most, for the most part, people uh, are pretty well behaved um, uh, at these weddings I've been at. So yeah, I guess I might be missing out. Uh, you've not been in, at any of the weddings that I've been to. Yeah, I was thinking I got to go to <laughs> photograph the ones you've been at doc. I'm sure they're a lot more uh, exciting for sure. So what is the appeal of solo hiking? You say you do most of your hikes by yourself. That's interesting. Yeah, bless my wife. She's probably the only person that can put up with me because I, I'm a little bit, uh, uh, you know, like talk about. I'm a little OCD. Uh, I, I guess I beat at my own, or what is it? Beat at pace at my own drum, or walk mm-hmm. at the pace of my own drum, kind of thing. And so I'm very much like, uh, oh, I'm going to go tomorrow morning, and who's available? And of course, oh, I, I got work, or you know, I already have plans. And also, uh, I'm definitely not a fast hiker, so I kind of take my time and. Uh, that kind of thing. So, and I, I like my solitude. Uh, I, I, you know, we all get lonely at times, but for me, it's being on the, uh, the outdoors. Actually, that's when I catch up on uh, podcasts uh, uh, like yours and also audio books. So, and on and the drive up, love the drive almost as much as the, uh, uh, you know, the hike, the anticipation. So because of all those, I, I tend to like to just uh, kind of you know, kind of go by myself. Um, but hopefully uh, sooner than later, I would love to get some of my uh, colleagues and friends into it, especially I know some of them have little ones. So, you know, we can do like a little family trip, if you will. But, you know, that that's probably something I've changed over the years, Doc, is uh, I still love to go by myself. Definitely no issues with that, except for, of course, safety. But other than that, um, I definitely am warming up more to going with others, especially their first time into the, you know, into the outdoors backpacking and kind of like paying it forward to those that might be interested. So, Right. And what is your wife doing when, when you're gone? Does she uh, take this opportunity to uh, in, in embark upon her own hobbies or how does that work? Yeah, a little bit. So she has um, the conventional job. She's a, she's a pharmacist. And uh, so she, you know, has a steady um, uh, the, the job and all. And because we have our, our three-year-old who's in daycare. So she's, you know, the super mom for, those times. And most of the time I'm, I'm still going to be around. I, I might go once a month and for a good couple of years, um, I really didn't, you know, 2017 through 2018, it was maybe one or two trips per year. So, and most of these trips are just a couple of days. And so it, it's manageable for, um, for her at home, but yeah, she'll go to work, uh, probably have a little bit of, you know, quiet alone time for herself. And just recently, since our, our little ones just turned three, I went, we went on our first you know, daddy, I guess, daughter, uh, camping trip, uh, somewhere in Orange County. I think I can say this. It was probably the, I don't say worse, but that's the word I'm thinking, uh, you know, the loudest campsite I've ever been at like, is a place that I would never go. It was car camping, but, uh, because it was with my three-year-old, she had a blast, which was what's most important. So I'm actually trying to, um, you know, volunteer her, I guess, volunteer her to outdoors, which she loves. So, in the future, if my wife wants to have a little quiet alone time weekend, I'd be more than happy to take our daughter and uh, uh, have her feel like she's missing out because, uh, yeah, so that's kind of like the compromise um, uh, for us with the, the trips. 
Yeah. So car camping with your three-year-old, that's, that's probably the right choice rather than throw a pack on her and make her march 15 miles <laughs> on, a, on a nice section hike. Yeah. She tends to be the one to kick the dirt and want to, instead of walking on the, you know, the dirt path, she's the one to climb on the rocks and, and trip. So yeah, we were just uh, in Tuolumne Meadows uh, this past weekend and it was fitting because uh, it was my, my three-year-old daughter's first time stepping on the JMT and uh, probably for another time, but that, that, that there's a trip back in 2015 that has a personal, a special meaning to me by myself. And it kind of came full circles this past weekend, getting to take um, both my, my wife was there, of course, but um, our little one and selfishly uh, we'll see maybe in 20 years or so, maybe a little sooner. Uh, first, I, I got to do the JMT. So I'm certainly uh, going to go back and listen to your episodes when that time comes, dog. But uh, down the line, um, you know, take the little one. And uh, I mean, I'm, I'm also curious. You say you have a few kids yourself, right? And are you kind of thinking, oh, how old are they? I, I, have you gone on a few backpacking trips with them or thinking in? Yeah, this is, this is great. I, I love being interviewed. This is, this is good too. So turn around to spirit play. Yeah, I've got three kids. I've got two, two girls and a boy with the boy in the middle. And um, I have hiked with my son numerous times, uh, including the uh, – he, he's done most of the John Muir Trail. He's still missing from Tuolumne Meadows to Happy Isles, but he's done the rest of it with me. And he's also done the Santa Catalina – the Catalina – I'm sorry, the oh, Trans-Catalina nice. Trail. Uh, we did that last June. Uh, my two daughters – uh, the youngest one has no interest whatsoever in, in hiking or, or exercise. You know, she was an athlete, but she's done with that now. Uh, my oldest one, who, let me give you the ages. The oldest is 24. Uh, my son is 22, and the youngest oh. is going to be 20 next month. Oh, okay. But, so I was like, oh, they're a little older than, than three. I guess. Yeah, a little older than three. You're a young dad. Hey, hey that's awesome. Well, yeah, thanks. But we have talked about doing maybe doing another Trans Catalina trip in the winter, and my d- oldest daughter is uh, totally up for that. She wants to do it. She wants to get a, kind of get a taste for it. So I'm I'm excited about that possibility. Hey, that's coming up, right? As in, well, this winter. Yeah, I just January. need I need to check the ferry service to see that you know the ferries are running uh, to the appropriate ports, so we don't get stuck out there. So. Okay. Well, I'm, I'm hoping there'll be an episode about that when you guys, if you go hopefully and come back, I'll, I'll um, looking at that trip next year too. So. Oh yeah. I've, I've done it twice. You, you will, you will really like it. It's a, it's a great trail. Awesome. Awesome. Well, that, that's, that's incredible. And I'm sure uh, and that's, there's a saying about, it's not about the, you know, the materialistic thing. It's all about the experiences and especially with our kids. It's, I mean, something I, Yes, uh, you know, we evolve and we, we progress as individuals becoming parents. And, uh, but I'm guessing, did you, did you, uh, I'm just curious, sorry, uh, the host okay. in me, right? But That's I was okay. just wondering if you brought them into the outdoors when they were younger or was it more, uh, you said your one of your daughters, um, uh, she's okay on it, but did you at least get them into it when they were much younger? Yeah. So they were all involved in youth sports. Uh, they were all soccer players. My son played baseball for a while. Then he played football. Uh, youngest went from soccer to tennis. And so for a great stretch there, probably uh, 10 years or so, we spent most of our weekends on the side of a soccer field or a tennis court somewhere in uh, Southern California or beyond. And that was our life was just uh, going from, you know, practice to practice to, to games, to tournaments, to, you know, all that stuff. And then it, once, once things kind of slowed down and they got a little bit older, 
And that's kind of when I kind of stumbled into hiking myself. That was uh, like 2015 when I got oh. interested and involved. And so I am kind of late to the game as well. You got to it at age 29. I got to it at age 48. So. Hey, it's not how you start. It's how you, you know, finish as they say. Right. But that's right. And that's amazing. Why well, I aspire to, you see, I think, uh, you see the older folks who don't want to, you know, but you know, usually as you get older, it's, it's, it's much harder to get into some, especially something that's very active. So you got to keep, keep at it. Right. Otherwise right. you kind of lose the extra step. So that, that's awesome. Yeah. And I, I think my, my whole philosophy is that I want to generate memories, not only for, for myself, but for the kids so that someday we can look back and say, Hey, we did all this stuff. We, you know, I don't want to, I don't want to live a life of regret and get to a point where um, I'm thinking back, you know, why didn't I do this? I want to, I'd rather, I'd rather, uh, you know, take the risk and, and get out there and do it and take the time to do it so that I don't have to, to feel any kind of regret later on. Yeah, I think I, I, I hear somebody or, or sense somebody as they're listening to this, they're pausing this and putting uh, a date on the calendar for a hike they've always wanted to do or, you know, a trek international one. So hopefully, uh, as many of our listeners are doing that after listeners and to inspire, um, to inspire you, you certainly inspired me to, I've been saying someday that, that JMT, but you got me to like, no, someday let's, let's put that, that two, three week stretch on the calendar and make it happen. So nice. thank you for that. Yeah, yeah I, oh, absolutely. Hey, we're going to take a quick break. And when we get back from the break, we're going to talk to Henry about some of his Eastern Sierra adventures Maybe some of his, of his favorite trails and sites uh, on and off the JMT because I know he's done portions of the JMT, and then we'll we'll get to some of his big trips uh, out of the states and and uh, around the world. So stay tuned for that. We will be right back. Hello, I'm Gabe. Hey, I'm Kevin. This is the John Freaking Muir Pod. And we listen to this podcast to get ready to fast pack the JMT in under six days. And welcome back. We are talking with Henry about some of his adventures. We're going to move on to uh, his adventures in the Eastern Sierras. Henry, where, where have you been? You sound just from our, our initial talk here. You sound, you sound like you've been to, you know, a lot of different places in the Eastern Sierras. You, you're very familiar with the 395. Uh, I know you've been on the Ray Lakes Loop and, and at Tuolumne Meadows. Tell us about some of your, your uh, Eastern Sierra adventures and maybe some of your favorite spots in the Sierras. Yeah, Doc, and I mean, uh, going from a recent memory bias, just this past year, 2020, is uh, I went to Mount Whitney and scored a last minute permit, I think, four or five days before I was supposed to summit. Of course, freaked my wife out. But uh, thankfully, the trip went really well. I uh, didn't get altitude sickness. And, and uh, you know, weather was great. So certainly that, that was on my bucket list for a couple of years. And, and was eyeing that, refreshing that recreation dug up every couple of minutes. And there was a permit open and went there. Uh, Is that so, a solo hike for you? Yeah. So overnight at, oh, oh my gosh, um, Alpo. Not outpost camp. Um, was it outpost camp? I forgot the Is name. But the one camp? that's, uh, yeah, the base camp to yeah. to to uh, Mount Whitney, um, right before the switchbacks, uh, the okay. nine switchbacks. What was and the toughest? Few, what was the toughest part of hiking uh, hiking up Mount Whitney? What was the most difficult segment of that particular trail? 
Mm, it was on the way back down. So I knew I had to get all the way back down to Whitney Portal. And once again, uh, mentioned earlier, I'm definitely not a fast hiker. I'm just, you know, an average hiker, maybe, maybe a, a mile, 40, 45 minutes kind of thing. But it was knowing after getting to the summit, like, yeah, you know, and oh, wait, I got to get back down to uh, Whitney Portal, which is like 11, 12 miles, somewhere around there, and then drive home. Thankfully, that's you know, a couple hours. So it was the coming back down mentally more so than physically, the, the switchbacks. And I'm not sure if uh, all our hikers have this feeling, but somehow uh, coming back down or, or, you know, the return trip always feels longer than the, the going up trip. And sometimes for me, at least, uh, I take as, almost as much time going downhill as going uphill because I have bad, my left knee is bad uh, on a subsequent trip, uh, trip, excuse me, I rolled my ankle. But uh, so I'm always careful going downhill and but still the you know the views are amazing uh yes you do get self-service at the top so in case you want to uh, post a photo share that you were at the you know highest point in the contiguous you can do that uh, but yeah i hope uh, anybody that's you know thinking of mount whitney of course do it and my goal for in the future maybe uh really getting into shape for this one is to try to do a, a day hike uh, yeah so that's um that was one and that was back in early August, but, um, and a few other places, um, you know, as you mentioned, Twilio Meadows did section two of the JMT down to uh, Agnew, Agnew Meadows, excuse me. So not quite to Red's Meadow. I, I kind of veered off uh, on the PCT to catch that uh, shuttle back to Mammoth. So a couple of days right there, uh, probably my favorite from a scenic standpoint, that Thousand Island Lakes area, uh, really gorgeous um, you know, banner peak in the background, right? So I was just going to ask you, I was just going to ask you, uh, Thousand Island Lake or Garnet Lake? You know, uh, definitely the Thousand Island Lakes uh, really stood out, but Garnet Lake, I'm trying to, I think I might have, that's when I was heading back out, so I might have just, you know, kind of walked. But, but it, yeah, definitely any of those lakes around there would be beautiful, Yeah, uh, especially for a, a campsite, if you can get one. Yeah, I want to let our listeners know that I also ran into uh, another uh, future guest on Instagram. I saw one of his posts. He is a peak bagger, and so he is climbing uh, peaks and mountains um, near the John Muir Trail. So this is kind of a John Muir Trail adjacent adventure. And he climbed up to the top of Banner Peak and he posted wow. this picture of uh, Thousand Island Lake and Garnet Lake kind of side by sides, you know, with the, the land in between them. But it was from a perspective that, you know, mentally, you know, it has to exist, but you've never really thought about what it might look like. And it was just a fantastic image. So he's going to, his name's Mike. He's going to come on in a few episodes and we're going to, we're going to talk about some of those uh, peak bagging experiences that are, that are near the trail. So that's incredible. And that's, I, I was, I was just curious when you mentioned that doc, like, is there um, a trail at least maybe of course not to the peak, but like sort of on that way towards, and then you got to do a bit of scrambling, uh, bouldering. I believe, top. I believe that's exactly it, Henry. He, he referenced in his Instagram post, he, he, he referenced a trail that I had not heard of that kind of led to the base of, of, uh, Banner Peak and then uh, indicated that there is a, a route up there that included some scrambling. Nice. Nice. But gorgeous. Just absolutely gorgeous pictures. Beautiful. Yeah. And I think the great thing is you, you know, if you go southbound or northbound, you get that, uh, you know, towards the end or right at the top. So, um, yeah, beautiful place and definitely recommend it for anybody mm -hmm. in that area or thinking of going toward, towards that part. Uh, oh, I guess if I may say one more uh, quick trip, Doc, sure. this is a, 
Um, yeah, recent one, most recent one that that Ray Lakes Loop. So I uh, was thinking of starting from the western side, which is Rhodes and uh, Kings Canyon, which uh, fortunately it was really difficult to get a permit last minute, especially with this year and their lottery system. I think their quote unquote overnight permit is more so nine days or somewhere around there, where it's not literally the night before. So I, I missed out on that. Uh, and that's kind of going back to one of your other questions where I always have to go solo because I'm always, I would think I'll go, you know, tomorrow morning kind of thing. And, and so, uh, but I decided to go over uh, Kearsarge Pass, which is from the east, the eastern Syria, Sierra side, excuse me. So that adds like another, um, forgot how many miles, like 50, 55 miles total over a couple of days. But uh, the reason, I mean, two things really quick. One was that uh, I don't know how it happened, um, but on the second morning, uh, what was that area? Vedette Meadow, past that part, heading west, uh, south part of the Ray Lakes Loop. You know, beautiful morning, nice and quiet. Uh, had all the, the campsite to myself. And so I'm just going downhill and Maybe it was those new shoes I was trying out, which is not recommended for a brand new hike, but or uh, trying out new gear on a longer hike. But I just rolled my left ankle and it was the worst ankle sprain slash strain. Um, I posted a photo on my um, my Facebook, which I think uh, people were not happy because it was a little too graphic, but it was just Ooh. bruised up, really red, absolutely swollen. Uh, I think I just stumbled across a little rock of all things. So, uh, So that's where the rest of the way I, I just hiked the final, you know, 40 plus miles on a bum, really bum left ankle. Um, and so I always now even more careful. And then the other part of that trip was heading up towards Glen Pass, which is on the, uh, I guess, the, 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 the eastern, northeastern side along the JMT uh, after you heading southbound after the Ray Lakes. Um, but by that time, it was very smoky. It was very uh, gray skies, uh, like one of the evenings, I said, what's that smell? And of course, I didn't know there was the fires going on around that time. But hiking up Glen Pass and coming back down the other side, um, literally, it looks like you're walking on Mars. Um, if any of our listeners have seen those photos around that early September, like Labor Day weekend, September 7, 8, 9, 10. And you look at that area, it's like a sea of red, orange. So it was very surreal unfortunately for a uh, bad reason. So that, that definitely sticks out to my mind. Um, but, you know, I'm sure for a lot of us, hopefully uh, along the same wavelength could agree, like pretty much any part of the Eastern Sierra, you, it's going to be beautiful. And uh, you're always a few miles away from the next epic landscape. Right. So, yeah, that's right. And it's sorry to hear about your ankle. Cause I know that when, when your feet are hurting uh, on a hike, it really takes away from, you know, the, the, the awesomeness of the hike. Cause all you can think about is your, is your foot pain. Right. I know that uh, when I was wearing some, some boots that were really uncomfortable and led to blisters, you know, I'm on the trail yeah. for a hundred plus miles and that's all you can, that's all I, all I could think about was my feet. And when I made the switch to trail runners, uh, it was, it was a life changing experience cause I didn't think about my feet once uh, on the next hike, which was, was awesome. So yeah. Uh, that's, that's too bad. And you have to, you have to give me a picture of your ankle Ooh. so I can post it on social media leading up to your episode here. You might have to like do a little warning or blur. It, right. it really swole uh, up. I, I showed it to, um, yeah, I got a couple of interesting comments, but uh, fair warning, right? Viewer discretion advised, but uh, maybe it was just a Sierra magic. It was still painful, but it was just a saying, right? You get an ankle injury. What do you do? You got to walk it up. <laughs> no, there's that's no choice right. to it. And I guess uh, just sort of um, 
finishing of that quick story was, you know, you love the, the outdoors and hiking when, you know, you feel miserable and you, you're in pain. You can barely, you know, put any weight on just your one foot. But what do you, what's the first thing, first thing I thought of after I came back was like, how are you going to, you know, how are you going to rest up for this ankle? Like, well, I'm going to rest up by preparing my next trip. So that that's when, you know, like, Hey, I think I kind of like this outdoor thing when even through all the pain, uh, I think like your slogan says, embrace, embrace the suck. Right. That's so right. That's, that's right. That's very true. Hey, let's, uh, where, where do you, on the Ray Lakes uh, loop, where did you camp? What were, what were your campsites? Yeah. So first night, um, and forgive me, I wish I had the map in front of me, but it was the uh, junction metal. Uh, so kind of looking at it from a, clock standpoint um you know 12 o'clock at the top so it was right at that six six o'clock uh middle south uh junction metal heading so i went clockwise and and just right at the bottom the second day it was um on the left paradise valley middle middle paradise valley near the <laughs> the infamous uh toilet right um, not to get too graphic but there's that that outdoor toilet uh, pit uh, you get the nice view um, just sitting there. And, and so there's, there's that. <laughs> have you heard of that? Uh, I, I have not, but I know you can't oh. beat the views while you're, while you're doing your business out on, out on the Sierras. So, so uh, I, I, I didn't, you know, really use it. I'll put it that way, but uh, it is there <laughs> just, uh, you know, just make sure that, you know, you make a lot of noise. Uh, I think people kind of know if somebody was sitting there, but uh, you, you get to look <laughs> out. Uh, and I think uh, part of the, uh, you know, the high Sierra trail, there's another pit toilet, something like that, where you can, you know, look at this beautiful view. As there well. is right next to Hamilton lakes. Yeah. yeah. So I'm familiar with that one. Exactly like that. <laughs> uh, and then the third, uh, right past the third day, excuse me, the past the suspension bridge mm-hmm. that, uh, on the JMT, uh, sort of, sort of like the two, two o'clock handle here on the clock, upper mm-hmm. right corner, yeah. uh, north of Ray lakes. And then the final night I made it to, um, uh, Kearsarge lakes. Okay. Uh, so, like, since I was coming in from, so I, did kind of like that, you know, the sort of like a lollipop or a Q shape versus right. a circle. And what is, what is your gear like uh, when you do your, your Eastern Sierra trips? Yeah. So for the longest of time, I've been using the Osprey. Is it Osprey or Osprey? I always, uh, but I think, I think Osprey. Osprey. Mm-hmm. Uh, Ether, uh, 65, 70 liter around there. Mm-hmm. So I've been using that since my very first trip in, in 2013 uh, up to that that excuse me the the ray lakes one but the funny thing doc was uh, right around that time i was trying to go you know ultra light and watching a lot of those youtube videos so i uh you know purchase uh if i may say so the what is it the, oh my gosh the hyper light mountain mountain gear uh, mm-hmm. you know that backpack tried it out uh, a couple hours and just didn't quite fit right sure it's a great backpack but it was just you know, wasn't uh, right for me. So I returned that and I went back to Austria for the trip. But uh, just last weekend when we first connected at Yos- um, when I was at Yosemite Falls, that was my first time using the, um, oh my gosh, uh, oh, Z-Packs, the Z-Packs Arc Hall, the, the little bit larger one. Uh, I think the Blast is the smaller one, but whichever the larger one. Okay. And I'm absolutely in love. It just fit perfectly. Maybe it was straps or something so that's my go-to um backpack going forward and uh, hopefully can squeeze in a few more trips i'll be i'll be using that one was and it pretty pretty lightweight frameless yeah so yeah. oh it there is a a frame to it but very light it's okay. right and i apologize uh, uh so i always you know recommend our listeners to look up the exact numbers but i think it's right under two pounds 
my Osprey was five, five pounds plus mm-hmm. um, just right. without anything in it. So immediately uh, shaving that off and, and a few other things. So, um, and once again, I'm not a gear expert by any means. So I'm, I'm kind of like, Hey, it works for me. And so uh, I definitely recommend that. And I'm, I'm, a, I'm a fan of Z packs now because of, okay. because of that. And how about, how about your sleep system? Yeah. So uh, same sleeping bag for seven years, a high Sierra, I think it's called high Sierra 30 plus 24, 30, somewhere around the degree Fahrenheit. Yeah, is it uh, down or synthetic? Ooh, you're putting me on the spot. I, am. I think I'm I know the I'm, difference. I'm drilling down right now. Oh man. Uh, I'm sorry for our, uh, avid, uh, you know, gear expert. I don't know of, uh, okay. Which one it is. That's all right. Yeah. Uh, I guess I can say I did wash it and air dried it and it still keeps me warm. So <laughs> that helps with the, uh, classification, but that's the bag. Uh, the pad I used to use a Thermarest, the manual you blow in. So that was seven, been using for seven years. But recently I saw a Facebook ad. I can't even tell the name of it, uh, but it was like 40 bucks. Um, so I bought it and mm-hmm. I used it a couple of times. It's really nice. Uh, it comes kind of like with an inflated pillow sort of at oh, the okay. top included. Nice. It's also um, nice if you just want to take it outside and just sleep on the, you know, outside for a few or just rest. So, uh, or just take a little breather. So that's what it is. And my tent's been the, um, uh, if I may say so, you know, uh, what is it? The, oh my gosh. Oh, Big Agnes um, Fly Creek mm-hmm. Ultralight 2 from 2013 though. So not the newer one. Um, and uh, fortunately, the zipper just broke a few days ago, so I, or last weekend, so I'm, it's it's in repair. But yeah, um, been a big fan of the Big Agnes. I also have the um, uh, Copper Spur for my wife and I. For that's actually the one that we took to a Patagonia mm-hmm. um, several years ago. So that's sort of my sleeping system. Okay, very good, very good. And when when you're fully loaded on these uh, three four day hikes, what what what's the uh, the backpack weight? What's your base weight? Yeah. So, um, without the, it's, I never waited without the food. I, I, I should do that. Um, just this last one. So I'm gonna, it's, it's definitely the low thirties, um, before water and that's with the bear canister. Okay. Um, I believe that Ray lakes was, it's like 33, 35, somewhere around there. Um, with the, that's with the offspray. So, Hopefully I can shave that down quite a bit in, in future uh, multi-day trips. Mm-hmm. Fantastic. Thank you, Henry. I put you on the spot there. I appreciate you being a good sport and uh, talking your way through it. No problem. Yeah, thank you. I, I had to um, like, oh my gosh. And, and uh, for what is what Doc did ask me this question in advance. So I, I did a little bit of mental research um, or sorry, went down to my garage before uh, chatting with you, Doc. So I, um, you know, but yeah, I hope, uh, and I kind of, you know, mentioned earlier, I'm definitely not only a, not a geek expert, but a, a, sorry, gear expert, but also um, it's just one of those things where I always recommend, you know, you do want to try it out on a, even if it's a day hike, you know, just pack your bag, uh, do a couple hours just to make sure everything fits. Cause there have, I, there have been times where I, I'm so glad I did that just like the recent trips. Cause if it was just using it for the first time, um, not only the actual using like your tent and sleeping bag, but just carrying it the way you're, uh, your back feels on you. It's, it's, it's huge and, you know, could prevent blisters and things like that too. So. Okay. So do you have a particularly uh, favorite site 
uh, or a favorite section in the Sierras that you would uh, hmm. name for our listeners? You know, I would say, um, and I think it always depends on um, what we consider as a favorite, right? So uh, for me personally, just because I needed that trip just to sort of recalibrate, uh, make big decisions in my life, uh, things like that. But it was Evolution Valley that uh, from South Lake to North Lake. So South Lake uh, near Bishop, Bishop, California, of course. And I did that. It was about four days of, I don't remember the exact miles, but just knowing um, it was very quiet, even though it was in the summertime, hardly passed by anybody throughout uh, most of the days. But yeah, uh, I think it was called, I could be wrong, Wanda Lake, uh, you know, Mirror Pass, Mirror Huts, that part, which is, uh, of course, not only beautiful um, photogenically, but also just, um, you know, just a little bit of everything. I think you get the, the incredible mountains, but also, of course, the creek. Um, and, and just beautiful sceneries all around. So I definitely recommend Evolution Valley for um, for all of us. Yes, yeah, I, I wholeheartedly agree with that uh, selection, Henry. I think Wanda Lake is one of my very favorite spots on the trail. And then if you go uh, a little bit further down the trail and you get to Evolution Lake and you've got these massive granite cliffs, um, you know, Mount Mendel and Mount Darwin, right next to evolution lake and you take pictures of it and you show your friends and your family these pictures and the pictures in no way do it any kind of justice in terms of how massive those mountains are and the relationship uh, right next to the uh, to the water there uh it's it's just a an incredible scene good choice and, and i i'm sorry the host and former host but i was just curious um um, did you guys go, I know you went, you, you said you broke up the trip when you and your friends went to GMT, but was, how was the, um, the creek crossing at Evolution? When, when so went? when I went with Chopper and Buddy in the summer of 2015, uh, we were going southbound and we crossed Evolution Creek and it was not that high that it wasn't a, it wasn't a high snowfall year. Uh, the water was not high, really no issues crossing. When I did it in two years later in 2017 with Jukebox, that was like a, a record snow year and the rivers were really high. And so we actually could not cross at the traditional crossing point. We had to go a little oh, further up, uh, closer to um, Evolution, uh, not Evolution, McClure Meadow, closer to McClure Meadow to actually do the crossing. And I remember listening, that's what, was it that one person that cared, or you were wondering how he was going to carry his dog across um, there's, there's, a, you know, how he's going to carry this, his pet across this, uh, this, this Creek or right. Cause it was really tough. Yeah, think, that was, uh, that was, um, that wasn't actually evolution. That was a different part else? of the trail that was just below. That was on our way to, um, gosh, where were we on that? That was like in, near silver pass. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, it was just crazy, uh, cause the water was, it was fast moving and, um, it was dicey enough doing it with trekking poles. He was going to cross that and he did, he successfully crossed it carrying his dog, but it was, it was a dicey proposition. Yeah. I think that's when you always hold your breath and, yeah. and you know, just one step at a time. Yep. Yep. Hey, let's, uh, let's segue real quickly and and get to your some of your international trips. I would love to hear about your Everest base camp trip in 2014. What was what was that like? First of all, setting that trip up and getting there, and then you know what type of hiking did it take to get to Everest base camp? 
Yeah, we're going into overtime, right? So I appreciate, uh, thank you again for your time and, and listeners sticking, uh, sticking with us. So yeah, this was April, uh, mid to end of April 2014. Uh, I can believe it's six plus years ago. So I'm sorry for um, uh, beating a dead horse, but please, uh, hopefully our listeners will do that trip and you know, just to do the Google search to see what's the most recent uh, policies. I'm sure a lot has changed in, in all these years, but uh, thankfully, if it's, it's absolutely incredible, uh, not only with the scenery, the Himalayas, but uh, the culture, um, the, the, the locals are in the villages. So you stay at tea houses, uh, at least that's what I did. So I, I went through a, um, a travel company, a local travel company in Nepal. And so I um, had a porter, which I know it sounds cheating, which it is, uh, you, you know, they, they help you carry some things, but I did try to lighten my, my pack load, mainly clothes. Uh, and that was when I was really into travel photography, started that the travel website and everything. So I carried my, uh, I forgot to mention with the gear earlier, but for camera gear on some on these uh, international trips, I carried the F-stop uh, Tilopa BC, this big backpack with the, the SLR cameras and everything. But uh, absolutely, uh, I, I cannot recommend it enough. It's still my, you know, my favorite um, international trip, although, you know, uh, always want to go on more, but uh, I think it's, it's, I wrote some notes right here, doc. It's about 80, 80 plus um, miles. So you go from supposedly the world's most dangerous airport, you land a really small mountain and these are all in the Himalayas, but Lukla, uh, there's, you know, 9,000 plus feet is where you start. And the nice thing is you're not going a lot of miles um, every day. So I did the, uh, forgive me, a 12, 11 to 12 day. That's to Everest Base Camp and then back down. That's a total of right around the 80 plus miles. And I stayed at uh, like around four to six uh, tea houses along the way. And you go through a, you know, if you go through a, a travel company, they'll take care of everything. So you just show up, um, somebody will greet you at the Kathmandu, uh, I think, yeah, the capital of Nepal, the airport where you land, and then um, they'll take care of everything from there. So really it's just, um, you know, just bring yourself, um, bring your clothes and a couple other things. And that's really it. Uh, but it's almost like going on 11 days straight of, uh, or at least what I did, you can do shorter or even longer ones, but uh, day hikes. It's, it's not really a backpacking. Um, I believe if you really want to carry everything, you want to bring your tents and sleeping bags and, uh, you know, like a true backpacking, backpacking, I think think you could do that, but please, you know, don't take my word for it. But I, I took the um, a little bit easier route, if you will. Um, but absolutely, um, uh, a couple of, uh, I guess if, if I forget, uh, I did get altitude sickness. Um, one of the, like the second night before going to Everest Base Camp, it just kind of came out of nowhere. Uh, I'm looking at my little itinerary, but it's a, it's one of the, the small towns before Everest Base Camp is called, I believe, um, Gorak Shep, G-O-R-A-K-S-H-E-P, somewhere around that, uh, and this is just me off the top of my head, it's, it's probably around that 15 to 16,000 feet. Uh, Everest Base Camp, excuse me, is at 17,600 feet, oh, 17,590, but 17,600 feet-ish. Uh, so I, I did make it to Everest Base Camp, but I, I felt horrible because uh, of altitude sickness. Um, who knows, I'm dehydrated. I did take some Diamox or so, but didn't help. Uh, just wanted to lay down and, and, you know, I'm sure anybody that got out of sickness, you know, the, really the only thing is to head back down. Uh, but there is a little fun fact, which um, Everest Base Camp 
is not the highest point on the Everest Base Camp Trek. Uh, you actually can go up a little bit higher to a place called uh, Kalapathar, my apologies, K-A-L-A-P-A-T-T-H-A-R. Uh, I did not make it to the top because of Everest, uh, uh, sorry, altitude sickness, but that is at 18,000 18, and change. So that is the highest I've been to, but I did not get to that point. So definitely, um, I think about it. Uh, it's a bittersweet, uh, I guess, moment. But I want to go back, uh, hopefully, with with uh, my daughter and hopefully my wife as well. It was a solo trip uh, with myself, but to actually overcome altitude sickness and get to uh, that point. And for what it's worth, there's you can spend. Uh, of course, if you really want to, you can get to the top of Everest. Uh, the mountain itself, which is a whole different uh, <laughs> topic, I'm guessing, but uh, I I'm sure. But uh, there's also a lot of other um, path. I don't want to say trail because these are more like, you know, like literally going through villages and you see people, um, you know, living in the mountains. But there's so many other trails all, all along the way. So you can literally spend, if you want, a whole month plus um, in the Himalayas and, and not exhaust up you know, the, wow. the trails and all. So definitely a lot out there and, uh, and very affordable, uh, relatively speaking, you're not going to break the bank for an organized, uh, trip. Um, and, you know, hopefully, uh, also helping the local economy over there. Um, if you go, so definitely. Well, that's interesting because I, I think Everest and getting to Everest base camp and, and flying into Kathmandu, uh, that, that, that would be an expensive trip, but, uh, once you're there, it's not that expensive, huh? Yeah, it's definitely as of 2014. Uh, I'm get, I'm sure the the yeah the flight to it is almost as much as uh, give or take a little bit um, mm -hmm. uh, as the as the um, the trek. Um, very reasonable, especially uh, for what you get out of it, the experience, and you know the people you come across. Everyone's really nice, not only those whichever company you go with, but also the you know the locals. And being a photographer, of course, I you know how to take photos and all. So you anybody visit the site uh, only a day away you'll see lots and lots of photos uh and i think the the main thing is just to uh you know of course with their, with everything do it with humility respect so anytime i took photos of um people always ask them nicely smile at them uh to get permission because you know, taking uh, portraits of, of individuals kids to to older folks and one thing that was really humbling doc is that uh the porters those that not only carried uh you know my stuff which was you know, a duffel bag really, but the, the locals that live there uh, and I have some photos of them, this most, one of the most amazing things I've seen, these individuals, they're carrying, I kid you not, 80 to 900 plus pounds boxes, uh, cargo stuff on their back and they're going up and down uh, steps uh, and they're in sandals uh, and just really put things into perspective. Here I wow. am. Uh, you know, huffing and puffing with hardly anything on me, mm -hmm. really only going a few miles per day because of the high altitude. Uh, so you definitely will feel that. But it's just to see like, um, amazing how uh, fitness definitely took another level, yeah. <laughs> pun intended with um, the folks that live there. So that's one of the things I remember most. Yeah, we're going to take a quick break. But before we get to that break, Henry, I want to hear from you. Can you tell me what, what's your favorite memory from the Everest Base Camp hike? If you can, if you can distill it down to one very favorite memory. Uh, it would be one of the nights where I went out in the middle of the night to take uh, photos of the Milky Way. It was like three in the morning. 
um, I think one of the small towns there. So that always stuck in my mind for sure. Okay. Sounds epic. Thank you very much. Stay, stay right where you are. We're going to take a quick break and we come back. We're going to hear about uh, the Inca trail and Patagonia. We'll be right back. Hey, this is Jeff Hester from SoCalHiker.net. And when I'm not out backpacking in the mountains or hiking, day hiking out in the Cascades, I'm listening to the John Freakin' Muir Pod. And welcome back. All right, let's move from Nepal and Everest Base Camp and let's go down to uh, South America. And how about, uh, tell us a little bit about the Inca Trail trip that you took in 2014. And this was your first, if I remember correctly, this is your first uh, trip, backpacking trip. And you did the Inca Trail as your first trip? Yeah, Doc. And um, I'll, probably have to, I'll probably have to put uh, backpacking in quotations. A little embarrassed to say, kind of like with the, with the uh, Everest Base Camp that we did go with a, a travel company and they had local porters. So definitely supporting the community and they carried, um, you know, basically everything. So this was actually about a month, maybe a little bit less, three, three, two to three weeks before I was going to Nepal. That was when my wife and I, so this was uh, kind of like our, maybe our, was it our one year honeymoon? Somewhere around their trip. So kind of like a honeymoonish trip, uh, March, 2014. And so uh, this was, I'm so sorry, I forgot the mileage, uh, but it's, it was over f- like three, three and a half, four, four days technically, but more so three. But uh, you start in the beautiful, um, it's called the, excuse me, the, the Sacred Valley. So, you know, you land in uh, usually Lima, the cap- capital, I think, <laughs> of mm-hmm. Peru, but you fly into Cusco, the main uh, town high elevation, forgive me, I, I don't have the elevation, but I do remember getting a bit headache, not altitude sickness, but uh, you're definitely going to feel the altitude. It's as soon as you fly in. So you get some, uh, what do they give you? Some, some mint tea or coca tea, something like that, just to kind of help you uh, adjust to it. And then uh, it's quite an adventure to go from Cusco to the start of the Inca Trail, uh, at least the way that my wife and I did. So you take, you take a bus ride, a couple hours, and then you uh, start at um, this, this place and then you just go from there. And one thing is because you have uh, organized trek, uh, a team of porters, literally at least a dozen and um, pictures speak a thousand words. So uh, that, that website that uh, I had a couple years ago, you'll see all the photos uh, day by day, the itinerary is on that page for Peru 2014. But uh, the meals, the, <laughs> this beats the, the, the ramens and the, the, the mountain house because um, they, they cook it you know, like gourmet style uh, on the trail and um, not to, um, not to get anybody too hungry, but once you get these meals along the Inca trail. So that's why it's like a little bit of cheating, excuse me. Not only are they carrying these really comfortable tents. These are, these are like car camping, car camping style tents, like the, I don't even know, like 15, 20 pound tents. Uh, Ultra light went out the door for Mm -hmm. these, these amazing porters that carried everything. And they have a chef, 
uh, that, that hikes the whole way and they're cooking things up for breakfast, lunch, dinner. So uh, if you want the glamping style and, and see, you know, experience the Sacred Valley, you got these incredible uh, hills, mountains. Uh, of course, you know, the destination before I almost forgot is Machu Picchu. That's where you finish on that fourth morning. You're literally one of the very first uh, to, to step inside uh, that place. Uh, I know over the years, they've been more strict of their policies. So um, just to reiterate, please do our research before considering going. Um, but absolutely recommend it. It's in one of those bucket list things for sure. Right. I love how you put the spin on it that you are supporting the community. Supporting the community translates to I don't have to carry a lot of stuff <laughs> and I get to eat really good food and not feel guilty about it because I'm yeah. supporting the community. Yeah. And, you know, when you show up to it is still a, a remote campsite, a designated one, but it's not like a car camping kind of like in the uh, you know Eastern Sierra sense. But it's kind of like a dispersed campsite, but it, it's definitely ones that they have to stop at. And I won't even try to pronounce the names of these, but it's on that, um, that link where you, it's like these go-to spots. And the nice thing is you do get a, a, a lovely, you know, <laughs> uh, to take care of business, let's just say, you don't have to dig a hole in the ground or anything. Uh, so they take care of you well, they give you blankets and uh, you can always bring, you know, your stuff if you want them. And they, get, uh, they, they have a maximum limit of what they will carry for you so it's it's pretty reasonable and uh you know if you want to bring some stuff for them of course your clothes and then uh, other than that just bring like a day uh, day back so like with the everest base camp the inca trail really treated like a multi-day day hike trip if that makes mm-hmm. sense. that's pretty much it. yeah yeah and tell us about machu picchu what's what's that all about what was that like um, I've seen yeah. pictures and it just looks, it looks surreal. Yeah. Um, uh, the first word that came to my mind is crowded. It is crowded. Uh, if you, uh, you know, I want to, there, there's sort of multiple ways to go about it. So that's why if you can do that Inca trail or whatever, uh, itinerary that will help you get into Machu Picchu, as, uh, as soon as they open, uh, I'm not sure if there's an exact time, but be one of the first in there because um, otherwise it, it does get busy at least many years ago. So other than that, yeah, it's just absolutely uh, just surreal with the structure and, and really gets you to take a step back and go, how on earth did they build this uh, in the, you know, truly in the middle of nowhere. Uh, it's almost like uh, just like magic uh, of how they do this. And also there are nearby um I guess mountains or hills and you can, the name escaping me, but you can hike up to the top of this. I didn't do that. Um, I actually went to Peru back in 2011, right around um, the end of the year, New Year's. And so that was more of the, uh, I guess, you know, I want to say quote unquote touristy way, but it was a um, uh, little bit later on the day. And that's when, when we showed up, it was, it was a little bit crowded, but mm-hmm. doing the Inca trail back in 2014, being one of the first, just for maybe five, 10 minutes, it was nice to kind of get that moment where you can see this amazing um, UNESCO structure, I believe, but uh, um, you know, this, this, uh, this amazing place without anybody in it yet. So yeah, yeah definitely a must if you get a chance to visit Peru for sure to stop by um, Machu Picchu. And, and there are also other trails in addition to the Inca trail uh, alternatives, if um, it's tough to get a permit or, 
if you want to add additional or days or things like that, I, I think they have some other options too, in case anybody's hopefully interested in going soon. So, yeah. Okay. And can you distill that trip down into one particular favorite memory? Ooh, um, I should have thought of this. Sorry, Doc. Let's see. On this, I would say uh, maybe not the, I, can't, I don't know if I can say the most um, epic moment, but part of it, I did hike it alone. Even, oh, I forgot to mention, I was in a group. So it was not only just my wife and I, but we did have some, some amazing new friends, a small group of, I think, five or six uh, people. So it was with um, uh, a few, you know, new friends, uh, hikers and all. But uh, part of it, I did talk to the guide and say, hey, it's okay if I, you know, a couple miles, I just go by myself and I kind of stayed back as I was taking photos. So there are parts of it, like where you're in the, it's called the cloud forest, uh, I think on day two or three. And it was just like fog or mist, what do you call it? You're just like walking through a rainforest, that feel, but in the mountains and there was nobody around, just myself and, you know, just kind of take a moment to uh, absorb, absorb all that in. So uh, I think moments like that is sort of what stood out to me when, when I um, think about it too. So, but yeah, that sounds incredible. That sounds incredible. All right. Hey, let's, uh, let's, let's stay in South America. Let's talk about Patagonia the following year. Yeah. The home stretch. So uh, this was our January, 2015. So, um, you know, I'm a little biased here, but hopefully uh, we can all agree. You got to go to Patagonia, right? I think uh, doc, you said that's, that's on your bucket list. Yes. Um, you know, for the longest of time, all I knew was, was the, the clothing company, right? Patagonia. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it was always something that I felt like only a day away. Like, Oh, you're, it, it, feel, it felt so far away because it is close to Antarctica. You fly to the southern tip of uh, Chile, as they say, um, and, and um, Patagonia borders both Chile and Argentina. But the part that I went, oh, my wife and I, we went to uh, Torres del Paine, P-A-I-N-E. But, um, and, and so that's, I did the oh uh, nine-day, uh, what's called the, O circuit trek. Um, mm-hmm. There's a Q version, just the way it's kind of start another point. But uh, the great thing is you, you you definitely want to go in the summertime if you can. Uh, we went in January, so it's a little busy, but you get long days, and you got everything from you know the, the, you got the glaciers, you got the mountains, uh, you got the, the streams, the lakes, you got passes. Uh, then the other thing is. You can backpack, so uh, which is what we did. We I brought. Um, I also have an REI XT eighty five liter. Uh, brought it for that trip, but uh, so you can backpack. But part of the 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 days there, you can stay at um, and what's called a refugio, basically a, a kind of like a little bit of a glamping slash water down cabin, if you will. Um, we we decided to stay outdoors with the the campsites. You say we? You're with your wife. With my wife, yeah. Yes, okay. Yeah, Did so, she get to carry the 85 liter backpack? <laughs> Thankfully, she carried a, a lighter version. She had an Osprey, kind of like the female version. So, got it. Um, I carry the the the, the 85 yeah, XT. So, um, yeah, we we actually it was a last oh, last minute, as in like a month and a half before. Uh, so in November of the previous year, 2014. So 2014 was that year when um, I was really into, you know, the, the, tra- the, tri- the trip, excuse me, and definitely um, emptying out the bank account, you know, wallet, because uh, these, the flights and all, but I went to India in 2014. And uh, looking back, love the trip, but something felt like, you know, 
I want to book another trip. So when we came back from India, I was like, Hey, always wanted to go to Patagonia. Why not? And so we did that at the beginning of the year and uh, flew into a small, small town in Chile called Punta Arenas. Um, and then you take a couple hour bus ride to Puerto Natales. Um, and that's where uh, Patagonia, excuse me, uh, Torres del Paine, you enter that national park and yeah, you start your, I think it's right around the 80, 85 days. So uh, very doable, um, especially for anybody, uh, long distance hikers, through hikers, uh, if you're going. You said, you said 80, 85 days, you mean miles? 80, 85 I'm so miles? sorry. Yeah. Miles, miles. 80, 85 day hike. That That's, that's a long, that's a, that's a huge commitment. Yeah. It's the, uh, it's the, it's the mini PCT of the, uh, of yeah. the, of the South America. Um, but yes, another trip that I definitely uh, recommend and hopefully, uh, I'll get to hear about it from you soon. Doc. Are, are you, uh, you know, once travels a little bit easier for, for all of us, but yeah, absolutely. Um, the other thing was Patagonia being, uh, it's such a huge area. So that park that we went to Torres del Paine is just one section. So you can also, uh, go up a bit more to the Argentina side. And so after we finished that 85 miles, not days, uh, uh, old circuit trek, we took another bus ride or we took a bus ride to Argentina side, crossed the border to called Perito Moreno. It's a glacier, very popular glacier um, area. And that's uh, still in Patagonia, I think, but you know, you can do a little more of the sightseeing stuff. It doesn't always, it doesn't all have to be, uh, backpacking if you want a little bit of uh, alternatives to so a little more of the sightseeing things like that right and in keeping with uh, what we've done for your your previous trips do you have a favorite moment that stands out from that Patagonia trip ah uh, yeah I would say um, sort of what Torres del Paine that 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 part of Patagonia is known for is Las Torres uh, called horns I believe in Spanish but it's that epic that that famous shot you see those three um, sort of pillars that are stretching up from the, from the lake down below. So uh, the final day ish um, woke up in the middle of the, uh, like about 3 AM and then hiked up a couple miles to get a sunrise shot. So my wife, uh, she, she passed on that. She wanted to stay in the tent and uh, you know, uh, sleep, sleep a little bit more. So I just went out by myself and took some photos. So uh, definitely remember that moment. And and, uh, yeah, but certainly the nice thing is it's kind of like uh, the best of many worlds where you don't have to go too far uh, and, and you get to see so much in such a short distance, if you will. And it's for everyone, um, families to uh, very experienced hikers, young and old. Um, you know, we saw everyone from little ones to um, a little bit older folks too. So um, absolutely recommend that place. Fantastic. So, Henry, we are uh, we're getting close to the yeah, end of the episode so. here, but I want to I want to I want to go over a couple things with you real quick. One is uh, through all of these experiences, through your trips in the Eastern Sierras, in your your trips uh, across the world, what have you learned about yourself? What what have these experiences uh, brought out? What have you realized about you know who you are and how you operate? Ooh, and I'll be concise with this as best as I can, Doc. Um, we're in overtime once, double overtime now. <laughs> I think um, it's, it's just that saying from earlier, which is I, I think I always valued experience more more than 
the so-called materialistic things. But now being a father and, and having um, that perspective, uh, I even value that even more. So, you know, as the saying goes, life is short. Uh, don't take things for granted. Uh, yes, the Sierra and these other places, I'm sure will be around for hundreds, thousands of more years, but we're not going to be. So, uh, you know, turn off your phone. Uh, unless you're in Yosemite Falls, you do get reception and you can uh, message Doc here. But uh, certainly uh, embrace, um, you know, what, what this amazing world has to offer, especially not only the, you know, the, the natural things, but also the people. And I think that's what I take from all these trips is, is the memories, the experience, the, you know, the pain and, and the reward. Um, that's, there's a famous uh, sort of saying, I guess, that I always sort of live by or heard somebody say this, which is, you know, I don't want easy, I want worth it. Uh, so, you know, I don't want this easy hike, I don't want this easy trek. And yes, you can, you know, get a porter to help you on some of these trips, but really it's, it's the worthwhile feeling, um, especially after an amazing day and you look back and, and really now, and thanks to uh, getting to be a guest on your podcast, I'm, I'm going back down memory lane um, from these trips and I appreciate them even more. So uh, I know it's that cliche saying, but hopefully if there's one thing that um, they're sticking with us through the end is please um, that one trip, that one, even if it's a day hike nearby, no more delaying it, put that on your calendar and make it happen um, right away. So that's, that's really the, I take from these trips. Henry, that sounds kind of like a pro tip inside of the week. Is that, yeah. uh, is, is that, is that your recommendation for, for your pro tip? Absolutely. Absolutely. I, I hope I can combine uh, two things in one doc right there. And uh, you know, I, I kind of put, what's the saying, walk the walk, or I guess literally here, walk the walk, not just talk the talk, but um, yeah, right before we, we hopped on this, this chat, I put on my calendar. Um, I, planning on doing the JMT next July and I'm not going to let anything else, um, you know, knock on wood um, if I can't to have not have anything else interfere with those uh, three ish weeks. Um, so that's a lot of inspired by, you know, your episode. So thank you for that. And that's, that's kind of go along with the tip I just recommended. So. Uh, thank you. I want to, I want to borrow a, a quote that you, you said a little bit earlier to synthesize it all down. I don't want easy. I want worth it. That's, that's fantastic. Yeah, definitely. And uh, so hopefully, uh, you know, we got so many more trips and that's the thing that I think uh, I always think, Oh, this is it. But it's like that Pandora's box. And I never heard of this trail on in the Eastern Sierra or even in our local neighborhood. Right. And so mm -hmm. it's just endless out there. So for all of us to go out there and explore. All right. Hey, did we find you a trail name? In our discussion here, I think it has to be something has to be related to either photography or the fact that you are out there solo. So I thought maybe something like uh, oh. maybe Ansel, as in Ooh. Ansel Adams, you know, you're carrying all that camera equipment out there. You're in, you're in uh, the Sierras. So maybe Ansel, maybe something, maybe something a little more uh, Westerny like uh, Shooter. You know, yeah, you know, I, I like shoot, that. You're, shoot, you're shooting with a camera, though, not a, not a gun. Or I thought maybe just simply, simply solo. I love that one, especially since, um, yeah, it's definitely fitting for me being a, a solo hiker, and uh, I am transitioning away from photography. And I, I think it's, um, it's like I always put things in perspective because for the longest of time, I will carry all the gear, Patagonia, an extra fifteen pounds, uh, all these, you know. Uh, Everest base camp. So 
now these days I don't bring anything except my iPhone. Um, I did buy, uh, I tried it on the recent trip just last weekend. And I kid you not doc five minutes into the Yosemite falls. I tried to set up my little tripod and, and my mirrorless camera. I, I was getting impatient. I was like, ah, oh, I can't do this. I'm just going to enjoy the trip. So I, I put it away and I just stuck to the, uh, the iPhone. But at the same time, I remember the 2013 version of me and how excited it was. So when I do see other hikers and certainly when you look on YouTube, like I just absolutely in awe at these amazing filmmakers and, and photographers to not only be hiking, trekking, but taking these amazing uh, documentary style, you know, uh, media that mm -hmm. I, I'm certainly just beyond impressed. So I, I always have that appreciation, but these days, um, especially since um try to be a little bit lighter on, on the gear too, I, uh, keep it simple. So I think I love the the solo name, and, mm -hmm. but I always have the appreciation for the the shooter one as well. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But thank you for that. I will, I will, I will let my wife know after this. And I'll, yeah, just um, a suggestion. You don't have to. It doesn't have to stick. Just uh, just my observation. And hey, the next time um, I will be wearing the amazing John freaking Mirpod T-shirt, right? And sporting that uh, and some of the stories and and posts. So excited for that. Oh, I'm looking forward to that. Thanks, Solo. Thanks so much, Doc. And uh, I, I guess, uh, is that like an unwritten rule on the podcast to not say the, um, the host or the, you know, the guest um, real name, I guess. I know for your, 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 your friends, That's right. right? we That's get right. To the trail names. Is from that... now on, from now on until I hear different from you, you are, you are Solo. So, Thank you. I will wear that name with, um, with honor and pride on the trails. Appreciate it, Doc. So there you have it. That's it. Episode 41 is in the books. I hope our listeners enjoyed our time with Solo, and I want to thank him for joining us this week. Solo, how can our listeners keep up with you on social media, and where can they find updates on your latest adventures? Ah, uh, yes. Uh, just Instagram my name, and I guess uh, I have to change my Instagram name from my <laughs> to my new name, right, Doc? But it's my uh, other name now, uh, Henry Chen One. so Henry C-H-E-N and the number one. And occasionally you might see my little one. Sometimes you might see something related to my online ventures, but uh, more than anything, you, you'll certainly see the, um, the outdoor posts and stories. And uh, yeah, please send me a DM. And certainly if anything I shared in this episode with Doc, uh, if I can be of help, uh, give you my two cents, um, don't hesitate to reach out. So uh, thank you again so much for having me as a guest. No, thank you. Remember to check out the pod on social media as well. We are on Instagram and Twitter and also Facebook. There's a Facebook, uh, Instagram, uh, Facebook page out there for the John Freakin' Muir pod. And if you have any comments or clips you want to share, you can send it to me at johnfreakinmuir at gmail.com. Also, if you are enjoying the podcast, take just a minute and leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. And if you're not enjoying the pod, well, just go ahead and keep that to yourself. Right, Solo? Absolutely. And I try not to chuckle, but I did right there. So I love that. And uh, I can't say enough how hilarious you and your friends are. And I, <laughs> I'm literally laughing out loud uh, in the tent by myself. And I'm sure if nobody, somebody heard, the bears probably thought I was crazy, but uh, maybe they were chuckling too. So um, love the humor and, and just your storytelling, especially the fun facts. So uh, thank you for, for, I'm sure, behalf of all our listeners for taking the time to do all that, Doc. Well, I hope, you're, I hope you're laughing with us and not at us, but we'll take any laugh. That's okay. Definitely with you for sure. Absolutely. <laughs> Fantastic. That's a wrap from the John Freaking Muir studio. Any final thoughts before we leave? 
No, um, thanks again for listening. And thank you, Doc, for having me as a guest. And hey, I hope to see you on the trail in the near future. You can bet on it. Thank you for tuning in. Always remember, the trail is the trail. It doesn't care if you want to go downhill. It doesn't care if it's almost dark and you're looking for a campsite. It doesn't even care if you've twisted your ankle and it's black and blue and the pictures you post have to have explicit warnings on them. The trail is the trail. Embrace the suck. Thank you.